Welcome back. After months. Months um, and months, yeah. We haven't recorded for a long time, but we haven't posted for even longer. Um, so here we are sitting in the flat, not really under quarantine, but um, <clears throat> just, I guess, a lot's going on at the moment. A lot's going through, I guess, everyone's minds. So we thought it'd be cool to record some of that and just um, bounce ideas off each other and also just um, see what comes up for both of us um, in general. Yeah, um, definitely been thinking about recording one for a long time and we've been going back and forth about it, but, um, but yeah, sometimes you've got to bite the bullet and do it. Yeah. Um, but we're in a very interesting place in the world. Uh, obviously, everyone knows kind of what's going on. If you don't know... Jeez, like it. Um, well, it's currently March 17th in 2020. And I'm sure in 25 years from now, this will be an interesting time in histori- history books. But we're currently going through a coronavirus outbreak. Inverted commas, um, pandemic, everyone's using different words. As well as an economic crash. <laughs> I think we can yeah. call that now. It's definitely an economic crash. Um, you know, and I think we, there's been a lot of social issues just coming up and Come down up, yeah. through 2020, 2019 and now 2020 like faced with like an existential crisis um, it's quite a good time <laughs> or I guess the existential crisis has been brought to the forefront yeah with this type of thing I think that's the interesting thing for me is I um, personally like I'd often I've often struggled with existentialism and, um, in the past and but it's kind of fleeting for me if it doesn't last that long and then I can't, I get, I'm easily distracted in general. And then like literally as you go, go through your day-to-day routine, your day-to-day life, I, I personally find that distracts me very well. Um, and I don't really grapple with existentialism. Seriously? Yeah. Too, no. too often. I, I know you do, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, um, I like, I found myself definitely, you know, even more, more recently, I found myself more easily distracted from that type of problem. And probably the reason um, I haven't been as motivated to record, funny enough. Um, <clears throat> I know you recorded a couple of things in your personal capacity, mm. um, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing. I think this. Are you type just? Of, are you just? Are you just feeling? You in general are quite okay with everything. That and that's not necessarily a good thing all the time, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is. It's a. It is something I am aware of, and um, I guess working through or just trying to be conscious of not having to be okay all the time if I'm not, and I think that's that's quite an important point that's come up for me more recently. Is um, especially during these times where there's a lot of uncertainty, um, we're all confused and our plans are up in the air and things we thought were sure are not sure anymore, um, is to remember that not being okay is fine. It's like, firstly, very normal, but secondly, just uh, it's just okay. Like you, It's okay to not be okay. I think I think right now what what's super interesting and my like analytical brain goes immediately towards the fact that 
it is extremely interesting how globalized of an economy we are and how more interconnected we were than I think we actually realized previously. Mm. Like, obviously, social media and stuff like that, but now the extremity of it, what I'm learning is that, like, I'm so affected by everything that's going on, more so than Mm. I would have thought. I would have thought, Mm. like, thinking back to, like, when I was 15, you know, um, which was, like, five years ago, you know, like, thinking how unaffected I was by the world, now being a part of the workforce and things like that, how much more affected I am and how much I understand now how fear is such a massive motivator for large groups of people, yeah. especially in a time like this. But in general, like I'm, I'd probably describe myself as probably a more fearful person than not, um, but mm. also extremely pragmatic. Um, and in times like this, when there is so much uncertainty, what I'm realizing is how little certainty there actually is. In general. In general. Right. Like, I think, I think nobody was. And that's, that's really the scary thing, you know. Maybe that's, maybe that's the thing that comes up for some of us. I don't know how common it is. So it would be, be interesting to hear feedback from people about this type of thing. But the, that exact thing that you say and how common, how common is it with, uh, with everyone else um, for you to be realizing now in times of obvious uncertainty how uncertain life and plans are in general um, and how fleeting life is how it can you know it, things can change so easily um, I think well one of the things so I'm reading I'm reading a book called Sapiens at the moment which I've is, was, a, was a big book like a while ago yeah. and, but I've recently picked it up and started reading it and it's it is so interesting and I recommend anyone who isn't doing anything at the moment, probably in quarantine, pick it up. <laughs> um, it's fantastic. But basically, it just touches on the history of humanity, and I won't get into much depth of it, but basically the overarching theme is realizing that there were big revolutions, and right now we're in an intellectual revolution, and how important it is to realize that everything we think is a thing was someone else's idea. Mm. And I think that, in a nutshell, is like, okay, cool, this massive thing we call the stock exchange, or the global economy, or... Um, businesses or concepts of life was someone else's idea originally and it isn't necessarily a tangible thing so what I mean by that is that understanding how fragile these things are right, yeah. um, to people and how it's made up of many many people and like institutions which I thought would never unshakeable be effect- well, unshakable yeah. are entirely shakeable which yeah. means like that calls into that calls into question so much more about like the fabric of society in that sense, yeah. you know, and yeah. how quickly you can imagine things dissolving. Yeah, it's, you know, it speaks to that general uncertainty. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that that's a good first realization about something like this, where you have like a um, a health pandemic. It's like um, it's happened before in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think obviously we. Are, at every point in history, we at the most globalized. Yes. So, like, um, health pandemics like this, it, the the spread is obviously much m- much bigger than it was, say, a hundred years ago, even much more much more than like during the Black Plague or um, the other big European plagues. Um, 
So it's interesting to notice how globalization also plays into that. So how we connected economically, we connected socially, but we also physically and practically connected yeah. in the sense that like you'll probably walk past, if you live in a pretty modern um, city that has quite a big middle class, middle to upper class population, you'll probably walk past someone who's, you know, been in more than 10 different countries in the last 10 years. That's, that would probably be quite a normal thing. Um, and that, I think this type of thing, the, the next big thing it highlighted, highlighted for me was how, how connected we are practically, you know? Um, yeah, I, we heard about Corona and we heard about the spread of the disease like we hear about any other big news story um, pretty quickly. Social media, um, through um, normal media, whatever. Um, but the physical spread is super interesting to me because um, it, makes, it makes the fact that we live in a much more globalized world even than 10 years ago, today, so much more clear. Yeah. I think one of, one of the most interesting things that come out of it is that the craziest thing is that th there are no rules to govern how interconnected we are. Is that previously there were always very clear lines of this is this thing and this is another thing. Mm. And like it was originally, okay, cool, this is this part of the world, that is this, that is another part of the world. And they're very separate things. Yeah, there's only specific connections between things. Exactly, and you could kind of, you could kind of say what they were. And now, obviously, as, as we're more interconnected, there are no rules that govern that. And we're just, we're just a massive group of people yeah. that are just kind of going along going along through life together and trying to figure it all out. And I think that's kind of sums up everything is that we're literally trying to figure this out as we're going along. And that's what, and I think that uncertainty and that nervousness is entirely what's making people freak out mm. is the entire, is that, is that we know that no one knows what's going on. Yeah. And so that makes it even worse. Cause usually what can happen is that, okay, cool. I can call a doctor and the doctor's going to be like, Hey, listen, no need to panic. Yeah. These are the answers to the problems you're seeking. Now we're in a situation where that doctor's like, listen, I'm actually not allowed to tell you. Go ask someone else. And then there's like this massive cycle and the WhatsApp messages. And I don't know, obviously, you, I don't know, I assume you're getting them too, but yeah. I'm constantly bombarded by people who are getting these messages from, you know, forwarded, by forwarded, by forwarded. And you yeah. never know whether it's real or not. Yeah, there's a lot of, I think that's, a, that's an interesting, let's, let's jump straight to that because I think it'd be cool to talk. And this is just coming up completely unplanned, but it'd be cool to talk about like the over panic and then on the other side, the, the under panic. Yeah. Or what's a better word for it? Like the laxadaisicalness that's happening in some yeah. parts of the world or some parts of society. Which is just as damaging. Could be. And both, yeah, both can be just as damaging as each other. Uh, let's talk about the, the, the panic first. Yeah. The unnecessary panic. Yeah. Normal, normal human reaction. Of course. We, yeah. love, we love a good panic. No, survivability is the most important thing to us. Right. So, like, when that's put into question, it immediately induces panic. I mean, I can feel it inside myself. I can feel the anxiety um, coming up. Um, like, walk, like, about things walking that I'm, into pick and pay. Yeah. And seeing, like, 60 people queuing. Yeah. You know, usually, like, you see, like, this couple, but, like, 60 to 100 people queuing. Like, stores, like, just 
like just certain items gone like just these weird things that we expect to normally be there not to be there i can feel myself being like yeah. what is going on but even just that i think there's a context behind that that yeah. immediately like you see that you experience that but then you've got this whole context in your mind behind that you know you like you put in that into context and that makes it even more scary yeah like why the hell is there two minute noodles? I don't even buy two minute noodles. I don't like, want them. Because like, what it why is, can't like, I? there's yeah. other adults. Like, I'm, like, obviously, being a younger adult, I'm just always assuming that, like, the guys that are 50, 50 to 60 are, like, clued up. Like, yeah, they're, they're relaxed. Out. They're, 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 they know what's going <laughs> on. They know. I was standing behind someone. I was voice noting a friend of mine, and she freaked out in front of me. And she, like, oh, looked yeah, behind yeah. her and stepped away. And I was like, whoa. You know? And I was like, if old people are freaking out, like people who should know the answer, you know, yeah. like those normal things that you expect everyone to be relaxed with. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the extremity of, of the, the nation announcement. Yeah. I think that, I think that got a lot of people going. Um, I was personally, I, when I listened to it, I was, I was very impressed with the government response. I think it was, um, I think it was the right level. I think we've, We've looked, we've seen government officials all over the world slip up in certain cases, underreact in some ways, often underreact in, in other ways, maybe at times overreacted. I can't think of any specific examples of that. But you can just look at um, a few places in the world where um, the response has kind of been a little bit lackluster, a little bit um, low in action type thing. Yeah. And we've seen, we've seen those places kind of start deteriorating pretty quickly. Well, at least the spread of the virus increasing at a quite a high rate. Places like um, in the U.S., specifically in California, yeah. um, places like France, um, Italy, um, and now we've seen it with like Germany um, and a couple other European countries. Um, so I was I was impressed. I thought it was a, it was like a, it was one of the better, governmental government reactions. Um, and I think the information, flow coming from official sources in South Africa at least is pretty good. I agree. I agree. Um, there's some pretty good info, what's it called, um, like info charts and stuff coming out from the health department and things like that. Uh, those are the type of things I'm trying to share. Um, but then also it's interesting to talk about the stuff you're talking about, like the forwarded to forwarded to forwarded things. Like a lot of the time I'm finding people getting information from a lot of meme jokes and things like that. And then being like, is this true? And like none of us know. And then like someone who's maybe too sure of themselves or just ignorant is like taking that as like information and then spreading it as like fact. And it's also and the thing of, 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 it's not even like if you don't believe the meme the first time. If you see it the sixth or seventh time and you're like, oh. Like maybe this comes from something true. Yeah, maybe. Like so many people have like, you know, and then it gets, then it's, we're all talking about a whole different pandemic, you know, mm. fake news and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, but just those, just those things of, of understanding that these massive structures we look to, towards are only as good as the people who make it up. Right. Kind of thing. Like, and I think, I think it speaks volumes towards, like, obviously, like, I mean, our government, 
thing was delayed by like two and a half hours or something, and it finally came yeah. out. But yeah. when it came out, it was great, you know. Yeah. Kind of but we all sat there being like, we all sat there like, oh, what's this is this is so. What what I am, what I am, I have a sense of security in that I believe that there are people who are able to deal with this responsibility in the position to do it. Mm. And now the question is, are there enough of them to get the job done kind of thing? And I'm, and obviously I have very little power to do that, but I hope for it. Um, and I know that, I know that in eight months from now, we're going to have a discussion where it's going to come back to the point of, um, at that moment, the right things happen and it happens. And then we can have a, a very like, um, we can have quite a, a quite a fun debate around around whether the structures worked and who mm. was involved in it, and then we can yeah. even just question structures themselves. It'll be interesting, definitely interesting to look back on. It's going to be phenomenal, interesting. but right now during it, it's, it's very nerve wracking. Yeah, definitely. It's, always, it's like it's like I never believe stories of of how people <coughs> said it, what what it was like living through depression or what was it like going being alive in two thousand and eight as a businessman, mm-hmm. you know, or even nine eleven to a certain extent, and what was it like. To be a an, an adult with responsibilities in a time in with those, so much uncertainty, yeah, like those key scenarios, you know, like doomsday preppers. Like I was like, what? Like, how is that a thing? Why would anyone yeah. ever do that? And now I'm like, don't buy too many cans of beans, Luke. Yeah. Like, don't be that don't guy. Do yeah. <laughs> don't do that guy. You yeah. know. So it's it's funny. It's funny how it's funny how easily I can see it can happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's, we, that's really interesting. That's that's an important thing for each and every one of us to do is to acknowledge the anxiety inside of us, acknowledge the panic, the feelings of like um the reactions you kind of feel like you want to have and kind of filter them and work out which ones are necessary and which ones are unnecessary. Yeah. Um, based on the information you have. But then on the reverse side of this conversation, yeah. there's a huge group of people, I say huge quite loudly, but I mean there's a loud group of people yeah. that are like, don't panic, it's only affecting the elderly, there's no need to worry, like, you yeah. know, it's not even a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and, and Trevor Noah said an interesting thing, as, as well as, um, what's his name, John, what's his name, John, John Oliver, he said a very interesting thing, and it was this, it's not about the fact that it may or may not affect you. It's the fact that it's the same thing of why we have community um, vaccinations, community immunity. It's the fact that if less people get it, the likelihood of those that are the risk cases minimizes. And that's yeah, a huge right, social right, right. And, and me being someone who works in two different offices, in both jobs being highly client-orientated highly to being social, people. Yeah. One of the things I said to my boss when we were chatting about it, I said, listen... I don't know if I could deal with the ramifications of possibly infecting someone else and then them passing away. Mm-hmm. And that was something. And then obviously there's a the thing of like, you can't really quantify that. And that's true. No. But it's the emotional kind of mental thing for yeah. me. Um, and I think that part of the conversation isn't getting enough light yeah. as much as the idea is like, oh, sure. Like probably touch wood. I'm not going to die if I get coronavirus. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm quite young, healthy, strong immune system, you know, yeah. fairly fit. Uh, probably not going to affect me, you know, yeah, according yeah. to statistics. But it could. But the thing is, is it's definitely going to affect my grandmother, mm. and it could potentially affect my mom and dad. Right. And that's and just the great community. And the great I think, community. I think yeah. that's that's the point. Um, yeah, speaking speaking to the under panic yeah. or the under reaction. Um, I think where we've seen it a lot. But I mentioned a couple examples of European countries where 
there's been an underreaction, um, at least up until now, um, and we've seen we've seen that um, the infection curve spike as opposed to be flattened, which is a lot what a lot of um, scientists and health professionals are talking about the importance of flattening the infection curve, um, just so that health simple fact that health services can deal with the volume of people who need medical assistance, not just for coronavirus, for um, everything else, your normal day-to-day -day healthcare, which a lot of people obviously need. Um, and just like keeping those health services able to deal with that. So the, the adequate reaction is to make sure that you flatten the infection curve enough so that the health services can adequ adequately deal with it. And that now, basically means that, that basically, what you're basically saying is, is the amount of cases you have can't exceed our capacity to deal with them. Right. Exactly. That's what that, so by flattening and the curve, what dealing means like, okay, we can only, random number, we can only deal with 100 people sick at one time. Right. Kind of thing. And that's what they mean by flattening the curve. Absolutely. All right. Because remember, on top of the 100 people being sick, there's currently people sick from yeah, other things. There's another thousand people sick from something else. Exactly. And so the flattening the curve thing is, so that's not even, so that's the, that's the number one worry is that if, let's say we get to a point where we're out of capacity and we're taking six be sick beds away from people who would have been sick regardless. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, then we're, then we're in trouble. But then when you throw in things like, okay, cool, huge amount of tuberculosis ca cases in South Africa, we have a large community of people with tuberculosis, HIV, yeah. AIDS, um, Poor, poor sanitation, community living. When you throw in the fact that these are the people that are mass, the majority of South Africans, yeah. then it becomes a very, very, very scary conversation right. to have. So I think that's, that's the big one for me locally here in South Africa. The, the social responsibility that I feel like a lot of us have on our shoulders, especially as like <clears throat> maybe the more um, slightly higher socioeconomic level um in terms of firstly the the people we interact with so we will generally interact with people who do and have traveled overseas i.e more high risk cases um so therefore we have a higher chance of contracting the virus right um now like we keep saying the personal worry is not that high okay especially like you say for us younger people, and that's that's what we're hearing from health professionals and statistically as well. But the the thing that really, really is worrying to me is um, the volume of people that live, like you said, in um, without without bad without good sanitation, without good access to healthcare. Um, these are people living in townships, and that's a majority of the South Af South African population. Um, and I think that's the key worry here. I think that's the thing we all need to be concerned about. That's the thing as business owners, employers, um, and just like members of society, we have to be very conscious of being over careful to protect members of those communities mm. from it's, it's a high spreading risk, this thing. It's the high risk people, people who are at risk. Yeah. of things going very, very south for them. Yeah. And I'm in a position, and I think 
that that is a conversation that I think needs to be spoken about more. Yeah. In in this thing of okay, cool, wash your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why are we washing our hands? Yeah. Why should we feel this level of social responsibility and the importance of? Because I've had conversations with people today where they're like, you know, just relax, man. Like, oh yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay. But have you thought about this? You know. Mm. And I think <laughs> now, I think as funny, well, as hectic as this conversation is, what it will be is a awesome thing to look back on and be like awesome is not the right word but it's like remember that time you were socially responsible about coronavirus mm. now think about the planet mm. and where we are now and where we are now it'll be interesting to see where that and is and let's think let's have that conversation because what we're being taught now as a mass community is what does actual social responsibility look like yeah. and what are the ramifications of you not doing it because yeah. I don't want to be the guy that gets half of Cape Town sick yeah. I don't want to be patient zero because let's say people die yeah. and I'm patient zero yeah. and it was my sort of social responsibility to not let that happen. And then that's sort of an extreme example. But how is that any different from, okay, cool. Okay, you're not helping the climate change thing or you're not taking social responsibility. So I think <laughs> in general, it's a very interesting thing. And, and maybe this is our world war in the sense of when, when people came back from wars in the past, we saw there was a huge level of social responsibility. They were like, we are the baby boomers, you know, perfect example. They felt responsible for the to economic, rebuild to build stuff. the economic thing. Yeah. And they did, and it did great. Um, you know, obviously we went through ramifications of that, but they did what they best that they can at the time they could. But right now, I think as millennials and as a new generation, this is going to be that cold face of like reality is literally survival against humanity. Yeah. And it's our responsibility to take that and be like, okay, cool. If that's the case, what do we have to do as individuals to make sure we can collectively live? Yeah. Because it's not as simple of, okay, cool, I get a fever for three weeks. Yes, oh, no, damn it. Can't sell a house. Can't sell some life policies. Ugh, oh, well. That sucks, you yeah. know? But, well, the economy took a knock, but, you know, we'll all recover. Oh, damn it, you know? But the reality is, six months down the line from now, the people who were supposed to buy, five years from now, you know, the long-term ramification of of my individual thought is entirely co collective. Yeah. Is that your life only exists two years from now if the people alive today are still able to live two years yeah, from yeah, now, yeah, you know? Exactly. That kind of thing. And I think that level of, of acknowledgement is going to be a very key and decisive dis factor yeah. in, in this kind of debate of... Yeah. I think we have to care. We have to care, yeah. So... We've talked, I think we've talked in a very hands-on personal way about it, yeah. which is quite nice um, yeah. to connect with the issue and just um, speak from like a first-person perspective. I think another interesting way to talk about this, um, and we'll see if we get deep into it, but is to, is to take a step back and look at it from a more philosophical mm. perspective um, as some sort of to what extent is this type of pandemic a catalyst for change firstly I knew you were going to what, guess this I knew you were going to guess this <laughs> to, what, to what extent is this oh, now for me for me this I see this as a fulcrum in terms of it can go both ways um, I have I have moments of wild positivity about what can come out of this like 
like we were even discussing now, like, oh, it's, it's an opportunity for us to really engage with our social responsibility to engage yeah. with our humanity. Is that going to happen? It's, it's, interesting to, it's interesting to see. I'd really love for that to be the case for us to... Do you think this is going to spark a revolution? Re- kind of the thing. Is it going to... And it, it, it's all intellectual, you know? Is it going to allow us to reconnect with what it means to be human, what it means to be a part of a community um, and take up the social responsibility we have in society in general mm. outside of this type yeah. of thing? I think the reason I say it's a fulcrum is because we've already seen, um, I've seen it more in other parts of the world, I guess, because it's been more intense there up till now. But we've seen it here as well as the the immediate selfish reactions people have, the the, um, the mass buying, the hoarding of goods, that type of thing with very little thought of how that impacts the rest of society. Now, that type of attitude is just as likely to prevail um, in my mind. And it's interesting, it's going to be interesting to see what route we take as a global community. Um, I I got told an interesting story by a a German lady today. And she was saying, she heard about this from a family member of hers who's been in Germany since... um, since the outbreak in China and there's this guy um, who you know he had a bit of cash he was a well-off dude and he heard about the outbreak in China and it was fully contained in Wuhan at the time Um, but he went and he bought like over a million face masks there was also some hand sanitizer guys in Florida that did a similar thing I get where you're going Completely stockpiled the stuff. They bought bought them. She said for for a couple euro cents no, each, um, and he's resold them at about fifteen euros each. Now that's exactly the type of attitude that will contribute to a dystopian future. Um, we cannot we cannot survive that attitude. If that becomes the prevailing attitude, we cannot survive it. Um, and that's that's definitely my opinion. I think I think that type of behavior is firstly just immoral and so, disgusting. But yeah. um, it's interesting to see like how popular is that? You know, I think. So with the Florida guys that I mentioned, they couldn't they had, sell it. Oh, they couldn't. They couldn't sell it. Interesting. They the. Um, there was a thing, I think, I don't know, I, I'm not going to say because obviously there's people listening to it, but basically I saw how it was, Lad Bible shared a thing, said guys bought a ton of hand sanitizer, $10,000 worth of it, and they can't, they're struggling to sell, mm. which I think is a great thing. <clears throat> I think if that's the case, then that's... That's a good story. That's a good story. Yeah, you know, so it's good to hear different, different from your one. But just coming back to the economics of it, I think this is going to be one of the most, and if not the best transitions in in business that we will have been able to see ever so for the way i'm seeing it is that obviously so large businesses are off you're gonna have to work from home all right and so obviously we've had this discussion of is working from home good is it better you know is are you even able to do it we're in a position now where we can see it has to be done yeah and so it is having to happen and i think what's going to come out of it is that we're going to come up with a 50 50 thing of we can work from home 
And I think long term, what it's going to be, it's going to set, it's going to basically speed up the process of dissolving massive businesses into smaller pockets of, mm. of business. And the way I see it going, have a different discussion of where, where I see business going in the future. But the fact that I think that in of itself is going to be a massive thing, not only for happiness, but for efficiency. Right. Yeah. It's going to bring a lot more millennials into the workforce, a lot more Gen Cs into the standard work job of someone who can just work remotely because yeah. everyone is working remotely. Now we're just going to do it as a collective and it's going to be more standardized. It's going to be more standardized. Exactly. Yeah. The word is standardized. I think that would be a great thing to come out of this. Yeah. If, yeah. if, if that comes up. Secondly, I think the level of social responsibility as per the internet yeah. is going to be a massive education thing. I think there's a lot of people who are nervous to share things. Mm. So uh, yes, I've seen a lot of people just sharing random memes. But I've also noticed that there's not that many people adding anything into the conversation yeah, yeah. and or risking it. So they'll take pictures so like of... Spirit in their own opinion, uneducated exactly, opinion. Exactly. Like, for instance, the femicide thing we have. There's much less of what I've seen of people being aggressive about that thing. It's much more, I'm in quarantine. This is what it's like. Cheers, bye. Yeah. Not necessarily adding anything positive or negative to the conversation. Not being like, oh, I think this and this and this. And exactly. Because the truth yeah. is, is everyone's nervous and yeah. no one really knows what's going on and no one wants to be the person that kind of says anything. I just want to check something you said. So you were saying like with the, the femicide um, situation yeah. um, that's come to the forefront in South Africa in yes. recent six yes, months. Yes, yes, um, you're saying that a lot more people, you notice a lot more people with that specific topic, like spurt in their opinion, regardless of like not, what they knew. Not, not, or I'm now obviously not saying women, I mean boys in general. So in yeah, that, yeah, there was yeah. a lot more toxic right. spreading. Right, it, right. Wasn't like the, it wasn't the sharing, it wasn't the sharing um, of I'm doing this right. too. It was, it was a lot more misinformation, much more toxic. Absolutely. In I, this, I, I'm I feeling it much more, well. if I... Yeah, you get what I'm trying to say. The exactly feel of it yeah. is much more gentle and much more we're in this together. Yeah. Um, and there's this a, there's a passiveness to people's opinions. posts Op- and, and opinions. I think the sharing, the, sharing, yeah. the sharing. Like I think there's, you're right. I think there's. It seems like people are taking on more responsibility than they have in the recent past. Like big. Discussions that have happened. And do you know, do you know what I think? Do you know what I think comes from? It comes from the threat of immediate death. <laughs> it's this idea of I could actually die, therefore, and I could actually die, which I think comes back to the social responsibility thing. Yeah. But um, I think I, I think it can only be positive, um, <laughs> in the yeah. sense that I'm not talking about the virus. I'm talking about the the sense of change that we're going through. So. Big thing, people able to work from home. I think that should have been done years ago. Yeah. Um, and I think, what if anything, it's going to give the companies that needed that boost in this direction yeah, the kick out the door. Yeah, yeah good shove. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to rent a place. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's my own thing. Uh, <clears throat> but my point is, either buy or, buy or sell, don't rent. Anyway, yeah, my, yeah. my point is, is that um, it's going to give a lot of people a shift in the right direction. It's making a lot which will make a lot of people more happy, but it's also making people a lot more social responsible. It's also creating conversations around important topics mm. of, of just social responsibility in general. Um, and I think the sense of the fact that we got through Corona will be a massive thing for the next eight months. Mm. And I'm hoping it becomes a thing of, of like togetherness mm. um, without the virus getting too hectic. Um, but that it could potentially become a thing of 
It has, it has a major possibility to build some real global unity. Yeah. Um, which is something... We haven't had an opportunity in like fact, this I think to it's, unite. It's almost... And it's so, it's so difficult. I think there's... Both sides of the story have grown kind of at the same rate for me, at least from my perspective in the last, like, say, five, six years. Um, there's been a growth of polarization of opinions. Mm, mm. So, like, um, the growth, growth of nationalist movements yeah. in countries, many European countries, obviously in America as well. And then at the same time, there's also been a growth of, like, unifying concepts, you know, things like more awareness about climate change, more awareness about... Um, care and globalization and universal healthcare and things like that, things that need to happen, um, the spread of free information, free education, that type of thing. And I feel like those things have grown against each other at it's a similar a, rate. This is going to be a breaking point. This is an opportunity for one of them to grow at a much faster rate. Um, I, 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 know, I know what you're saying. And I can only hope the yeah. unifying side is the side that grows faster. And I, I, think, I think what we're seeing there is a lot of generational thing. Yeah. Is there's a lot of old ideas versus new ideas that are, that are getting the point that that were that were the issue. Mm. Climate change, it's old business versus new business kind of thing. And in general, I mean, it was the petrol companies buying out massive campaigns to try to disseminate the global thing, but the youth are standing up because you know, um, Greta, what's her name, Greta Thunberg, Greta, Greta Thunberg, great example. Um, and then the nationalisation thing of okay, cool, we need to. Protectionist businesses instead instead of innovation, you yeah, know. Yeah. Again, let's let's protect our jobs that we know instead of making yeah. new jobs for the future. Yeah. Um, classic generational conflicts, and yeah. I think what this is is a much more universal problem where it doesn't care about your socioeconomic status. It doesn't care about okay, cares about age to some extent. Yeah. Um, but the point is, it's a very much a level problem. Like even femicide is a, mainly a, a female problem. You know, inverted commas, with the sense of they're more at risk than the climate changes. It doesn't really matter what the youth think because we're the global capitalists and we believe that, you know, if our industry works, then we'll make a way, you know, kind of thing. And, and as this is like a level playing field of crisis, you know. Interesting, interesting point that I think like, I, I definitely take point taken on the difference in like playing fields of crises. I think that is an important thing to note. I think, especially like, economic crises around the world are often localized um, mm. and that's mm. why it's easy to to sell solutions that are localized yeah. and, and hence the growth of like nationalist movements and that type of thing yeah. like you say like job protection above all else as opposed to like innovation. allowing for innovating industry that will naturally create more jobs in industry and work and stuff yeah. like that um, but I think that something that's come up for me and maybe an interesting thing to end off with is drawing an analogy here to the climate change crisis. Um, and I saw two interesting memes. Memes. The revolutionary catalyst we always needed. <laughs> right. Like, they both spread the worst information, but they also spread the best information. Yeah. Um, so I saw the first one is just quite funny. I thought it was like, 2020 is managed by the same, organized by the same people who organized Firefest. I don't know if anyone's watched the yeah, Firefest yeah, yeah, yeah. um, yeah. documentary on Netflix. Anyway, it's really, it's really good. It's a good entertainment. It's um, something fun to watch. 
really funny because it's a complete fuck up and <laughs> that's basically what it's saying about 2020 that meme. Anyway, second one, um, I've completely forgotten now. <laughs> this is the, 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 the eating the meat thing? No, no. Oh. Um, it's about climate change, um, but the, uh, the idea, the concept I'm trying to get to is that like we oh it's about it's the same marketing the meme was about the same marketing concept like the people who marketed Firefest same thing yeah. the people who are mar- the joke is the people who are marketing coronavirus in the media all the attention it's getting is like climate change needs the same marketing manager yes, yes you know yes, yes. like well, let's make it a let's make it a global topic conversation exactly like it's um it's just interesting because I would say that's a specific crisis that is it should be the most unifying thing yeah it's so it's you, like literally you know our world I was just, I was just sitting in I was just no. sitting in now and I, and I think I think to sum it up is that everyone has the same amount of fear now right I think with the other crises didn't really have the same amount of fear yeah I wasn't necessarily afraid of of climate like I'm from an old businessman not necessarily afraid of climate change like it's I've I've been alive for sixty years. The world's been the same. It's not going to change for me. I don't really care. The the interest the the point I think I'm trying to make here though is, I th- and I think we can leave it with the question: Is that attitude that you're talking about because of the lack of information about accurate information about climate change, the amount of denial and the amount of denialist information that's out there in the world? And the lack of acceptance of like scientific facts about climate change. Is it because of that? Or is it because people know the facts, but they choose to believe the opposite of the facts? Do you no. know what I'm saying? No, no. So I think you're missing, you're missing the point with both of those solutions. I was having a conversation with, this, with my mom the other day. Yeah. And I think it's because we all believe we're individuals. I think there's every single problem we've ever discussed, ever... And especially these problems that are coming yeah. to the forefront, is that we are all born and taught that we are all individuals, okay. and it's and it's the best thing for us. And I think that sums up the whole problem. Is for me, it doesn't really matter what happens to the guy next to me because it doesn't affect me. Okay. For the first time, we have a problem with it matters to the guy what happens to That's the guy next to me because he's going to cough yeah. and I might get it. Okay. And okay. I think okay. we're, for the first time, realizing how. Together we are in this problem. I see that. And I, and, I right. think, and I think that is the issue. Is that obviously uh, capitalism, individualism, objectivism, of everything is me, 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 and mine, mine, yeah. mine, mine, um, breeds this sense of, of I'll get mine, you're responsible for getting yours. Yeah. Instead of why don't we create ours kind of thing. And, yeah, I, yeah. And, I think that is an important point. And, and I, think, I think that conversation, and I think that's the middle between the two extremes of left and right, comes to the middle of, it, we're both people, like, just, you know, oh. it's, it's, it's dollar down. And we I all think. need similar things. <laughs> we need exactly the same things, yeah. not even similar things. Like, yeah, yeah. we literally need warmth, <laughs> food, and shelter. water. Yeah, shelter as well. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, we're sliding down that thing of hi- the hierarchy <laughs> of needs. Yeah. We're sliding down that, and because of that, we're unifying. 
Yeah. Which is the silliest thing ever, but it, and it was the simplest thing ever. And we should have figured out how to do this earlier. It's that no South African is more united in the middle of load shedding. It's true, yeah. Stage four, we're all in stage four together. We're all angry, we're all upset, um, we're all lighting candles, we're all on the same page. We're all in the dark, yeah. Exactly, and I think leaving it on a positive note is that, um, yeah, we're, we're all in this together. We have, the, we have the unique opportunity to unite, not only as South Africans in a local sense, but globally, yeah. and unite behind issues that are seriously serious, Yeah, you know? Um, I think one of yeah. the, the big things coming back to that Sapiens book is realizing that, um, and it was my argument a while ago, is that we evolved consciousness before we knew how to deal with it. And when our consciousness and, our, and therefore our need for survival transferred towards ideals and ideas, we lost track of, of humanity in the sense that we're all people of mm-hmm. like, we need to live. And I think... And with each other. With each other. Yeah. So which exponentially meant to, okay, cool, we have ideals of nationalism, we have ideals of economic cycles, religion, all these kind of things, which only exist in our heads. Mm. They only exist in our heads and, and our consciousness. And what this is showing is that our consciousness doesn't exist without our body. So let's just remember to eat, drink, and shelter. You know, and then, yeah. and then, and then if we can unite around that and the fact that we need a planet in 50 years from now, um, then I think we'll be okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think um, there's good and bad, and I just hope that folks can just, you know, get in it, you know. I must say, after chatting about it a bit now, I feel more hopeful than when we started. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling extremely positive. (laughs) Therapeutic um, device. So, um, if you are feeling hyper-anxious and pretty bad at the moment, talk to someone about it. Talk to a friend, talk to a close person, um, talk to yourself even. I don't know. And I think that sums it up. If anything, that sums up the entire conversation we're having is the fact that it really sucks when you're alone, but it's much better when you're trying. And as cheesy as that sounds, and <laughs> as, as, as obviously I'm the person to say that. Classic. Classic Luke. In but, it all, uh, some classic cheese. But, um, but the, yeah, if, if you're feeling better right now, or if you're feeling nervous, go talk to someone like you want to be with, you know, and yeah. it'll help. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, like, comment, and share. <laughs> Seriously, though, please um, give us feedback um, on all the stuff we discussed today. Yeah. And um, as always, we appreciate even negative feedback. Um, so keep it coming. Um, and yeah, stay safe out there, at least for the next little while. Be yeah. overcautious rather than undercautious, but don't panic. Don't panic. And then, yeah, talk to someone and talk to us. We, we, we're only two people in a flat. We could do with one more, a few more people. Otherwise, yeah, keep well and uh, have a good day, week, year in life. Cheers.